But that brings up a good point. I mean, it's definitely a sort of sort of associated with like 20th century science, even science since the Enlightenment, right? Is it gradually made atheism extremely popular and people stopped asking sorts of questions like, does God exist? Can we prove it? All of this sort of thing. And they just became, a lot of people just became materialists. And questions of moral value and those sorts of things stopped mattering to a good chunk of academia since the 19th century, really. So we have a few things to get through, at least, yeah, at least three points. Um, I know we're sounding chipper now. I'm looking forward to uh, if, we, if anyone actually gets heated. It's kind of a nice temper. Everything's just nice, you know. But uh, first of all, A, what do people think nihilism is like black pills a new fun word uh jokers on the table nietzsche is often called uh, a nihilist which is patently false um then b oh, so first what is it what do people think it is b is there a real version of nihilism conceivably uh we're all nihilistic with respect to certain things at least with respect to metaphysics for example and maybe with respect to ethics and morality and then C, is uh, nihilism worth considering as a serious philosophical position? And I think I only know of one person who said, I am a nihilist who wasn't Russian. Um, you'd certainly expect it from the Russians. But uh, besides yeah. the Russians, it's uh, Jean Baudrillard who finishes off simulation and simulacrum, or maybe it's those two words reversed. Um, for him, the apocalypse of meaning is already finished, and he says... I am a nihilist, no bones about it. And for him, that means uh, carrying to the unbearable limit of hegemonic systems, the radical trait of derision and violence. Uh, theoretical violence, not truth, is the only resource left to us. So that's a kind of, that sounds like an epistemological nihilism or something. He calls it a theoretical nihilism and says he's a, a terrorist to theory. <laughs> well, so I wanted to just quickly say too, to clear the kind of like um, housekeeping like it's worth mentioning like some of the things that we read that we read for today or I know Matt started off by recommending something by Bernard Williams the introduction to his book on morality and I think it's called amoralism is that right Matt yeah uh, the amoralist was the chapter the, yeah the chapter of the amor and then I also recommended because I heard a really interesting CBC ideas uh, um, podcast they interviewed two uh, nihilist philosophers who published a book in 2020, very recent, a short one called A Defense of Nihilism by James Tartaglia and Tracy Linera. And uh, I found myself pretty persuaded. I, I don't know if you guys had a chance to skim it or or at least I know, I know uh, Eric, you listened to the episode as well. So I'm, I'm drawing on my more positive um, sort of views on nihilism from them. Um, I had oh, a yeah. listen, yes. It was great. I, I enjoyed it, actually. Yeah. I want to say, I think, broadly speaking, if you wanted to demarcate the literature on nihilism, the good literature, there are three ways that it's been conceived of primarily. Uh, and each one kind of needs to be evaluated efficiently. Uh, and since I don't want to go on forever, I'm just going to mention them very quickly, right? Uh, there are people who have thought of nihilism in psychological terms, right, uh, as a disposition that individuals in particular have that their lives have no particular meaning or structure to them. And you see this articulated very well in a lot of Russian novels, right? Particularly Dostoevsky, The Underground Man, Crime and Punishment, uh, or Tolstoy. Ivan in The Brothers Karamazov says, if God is dead, all things are permitted. Exactly. Uh, or Tolstoy, actually, his a confession book, uh, 
writes very beautifully about, you know, the sense that life has no kind of meaning, right? And before it comes to his kind of Christian revolution. The other way that it tends to be conceived of uh, is culturally. Uh, and tr once upon a time in the 19th century, the primary people who interpreted nihilism culturally uh, were conservative figures, right? Which is where I think a lot of this idea uh, of critiques of nihilism being associated with moralism come from, right? It's this idea that if we don't have some kind of social structure in place that commits us to believing in something bigger than ourselves, there's going to be anarchy and chaos, uh, and that needs to be fought against. Although it's worth noting that starting in the 20th century, you, you did start to see more left-wing figures talk about the problem of cultural nihilism, particularly in the aftermath of the Holocaust, right? And Adorno wrote this beautiful little um, piece about why there can't be life after Auschwitz, right? It just kind of testifies to the meaninglessness of all human activities. The way that Bernard Williams talks about it, though, and what I think is interesting, is he talks about nihilism from a kind of analytically pure philosophical perspective and approaches it as a kind of meta-ethics, right? Where he says, let's move aside from this psychological disposition and let's move aside from this kind of cultural issue. What would it actually mean to take a meta-ethics that was completely nihilistic seriously uh, and to kind of adopt it as consistently as possible in my approach to life? Uh, and his kind of argument is that it would actually look very difficult, different from either psychological nihilism or cultural nihilism because uh, he interprets nihilism as a lack of any kind of end to which you value enough to pursue or indeed any end that's valuable enough to pursue. And since there's no end which is valuable enough for you to pursue, ultimately you would choose neither to be a terrorist or some kind of cultural innovator. A nihilist, in his opinion, would just be somebody who cared so little about everything that they would do nothing with their lives, literally. Right? And I think all three ways of approaching it are interesting and they all need to be evaluated independently. Yeah, so I think that the, the, the authors of this in defense of Ni or A Defense of Nihilism book take issue with that definition of nihilism. And I think they even talk about how moral philosophers try to define nihilism as, you know, that nothing is right and wrong and morally bad or good. And, you know, there's something that's clear about that, but ultimately they think that the problem with that definition is that it, it ends up leading to like some kinds of historical associations that they think are, um, probably a bit wrong. And I mean, with that, I won't get into that necessarily now, but I do want to just say that their definition of nihilism very succinctly is just, um, and this is from page 58, it says, uh, we don't think the meaning of life is an idea that should be retained in the transition from a religious to an uh, atheistic context. We think it is more, it does more harm than good. Nihilists don't think there is a meaning into life and there's no better way to dispel an idea about something than to deny that the something exists. 